did you know that nothing in your life can happen without your permission? Nothing. Which includes good or bad. Nothing can happen in your life without your permission. See, for example, Second Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. God does not give us the spirit of fear. But fear is given. Fear comes to us as a package and a lot of us accept it as a gift. That's why we have fear. God does not give us a spirit of fear, but we receive that spirit of fear from somebody else and we become afraid. Everything that we have is because we have received it. You're wearing that cloth, you're wearing that shirt, you're wearing that jeans is because you've received it. You either bought it, but you've received it. Everything in your life made Maybe the good stuff, which is righteousness, peace, joy, love, delight, pleasure, or maybe the bad stuff like condemnation, shame, guilt, fear. Everything in life that you have, you have received it. You can't blame anybody else apart from yourself. Everything that you have in your life is what you have received so and because everything that you have in your life is what you've received you can only give what you have can you give what you don't have you can only give what you have so who is the most scared person in the entire world who's the most afraid person in the entire world the devil why? Because he's the spirit of fear. Because he is afraid, he can only give fear. Because he is, he has fear, he can only give fear. God is love. That's why he loves us. He cannot give you what he doesn't have. He doesn't have fear. So he can't give you fear. He loves us because he is love. When he loves us, he does not love us based on conditions. He does not love us based on worth, based on how much we deserve. He loves us because of who he is. He is love. He has love. And that's what he gives us. So nothing in our life, right? I'm telling you so that you can take authority over your life. Nothing in our life is without our permission. Everything in life we have received. Somewhere we have received. So if you don't like a gift, what do you do? You know, somebody knocks at your door and brings, brings rotten apples and says, I'm knocking. And so you open the door and you see somebody, a delivery guy who has brought you rotten apples. You can either receive it or you can say, no. You have to learn to say no. Don't just receive everything that comes 
down knocking at your door. You can say no. So when the devil knocks at your door and says, hey, I brought shame. You can say no. You don't have to sign off. Yeah, oh shame, wow. Ah, let me get it. You don't have to sign off that. When he brings guilt, you can say no. When he brings condemnation, you can say no. Everything that the devil brings, you can say no. You have the power to say no. Don't blame anybody. Take authority over your life. You have the power to say no. Amen? Do you know that? You have the power to say no. I'm telling you the tactic of the enemy. What is the color of sugar? White. What's the color of salt? White. Both are white. And both look really similar from distance if they are powdered. They look different. Texture is almost the same. So just imagine you put a sugar in a jar and you put some salt in another jar right and you label them wrong you label sugar salt and you label salt sugar just because you've labeled them wrong doesn't mean that they change just because you have labeled a jar that is full of sugar you label it as salt it doesn't become salt it'll always remain sugar am i making sense you guys are looking at me as if i'm talking i'm i'm <laughs> <laughs> just because the labeling is wrong doesn't make the product doesn't doesn't change the product so what the devil does is when the devil learns that you know that you can identify shame fear guilt just by the labels what he does is he changes the name of the label but the substance is the same meri bhasha samajh mein aa rahi hai aapko just because sin is labeled as pleasure does not become pleasure just because rebellion is labeled as freedom does not become freedom just because fear is labeled as wisdom does not become wisdom fear will remain fear sin will remain sin sickness will remain sickness Rebellion will remain rebellion irrespective of the label that it comes with. So we have to go a little bit deeper. How do, you, how do you differentiate sugar and salt when they are in the same jar but the label is wrong? When they look the same, the texture is the same, what do you do? You just taste a bit. So once you taste a bit, you know what sugar is, what salt is. and likewise you can make the decision so you don't put salt in your coffee we did that once with joel and he loved it since then he has salt in his coffee we call it salted coffee so what do you do you taste it just like that the lord says oh taste and see you can taste me taste and see that the lord is good you know we 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 get deceived by appearances and what the devil 
the only thing that the devil can do is deceive you by appearances. The tree will look good and lust, lushful and you know, green and full of leaves. But every tree is judged by its fruit. Every tree is judged by its fruit. So just don't look and be satisfied with what you see. Taste the fruit. And if you don't like it, reject it. Reject it entirely. Reject it entirely. Don't receive it. Just because it looks good. Just because the appearance is good. Just because it comes with the right label. You have to reject it. Taste Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. If it is bad, it is not from the Lord. Fear is not from the Lord. Guilt is not from the Lord. Shame is not from the Lord. Condemnation is not from the Lord. You taste, you don't like it because it is bad, you reject it. Don't hold on to it and sanctify it by claiming some scripture verses. You get what I'm saying? Just because you've labeled it doesn't change the product. It will always remain that. You reject it. Reject it. See, that's why in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I believe that the gift of discernment is the highest gift. Gift of discernment can look good. It looks good. He's speaking the right words. Huh? You're speaking the right words. You're speaking Christianese and you're raising hands and worshipping God. But the gift of discernment, what is the motive of the heart from where it's coming from? You can say the exact things and be judged differently. You can say the exact things. The exact phrase. There's a story in the Bible, John chapter 11, where Lazarus has died and Mary and Martha sent him a letter saying, please come because the one whom you love is dying and Lazarus dies. Jesus reaches there two days later. So first Martha comes because she is the one who is, you know, the sister who does everything. She's the responsible one. So she comes and she says, Lord, only if you were here, my brother would not have died. Listen to that phrase. Lord, only if you were here, my brother would not have died. Interestingly, Mary says the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Both say the exact same thing. But the response of Jesus is different. To one, Jesus kind of rebukes. And to the other, Jesus weeps with him. The verse, John 11, 35, which says Jesus wept, is Jesus weeping, listening to what Mary has said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But with Martha, he, he goes theological. He debates with her. But with Mary, he just starts weeping. They're saying the exact same words. Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
said the exact same words as the father of John the Baptist. How could this be? How can we have a child at this age? That's what the father said. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, she also said, how could this be? Because I am virgin. They said the exact same words. One got punished. Gabriel said, you are not going to talk anymore. And the other one got blessed. Exact same words. Just because, ex some, um, listen to this, just because the language is the same, just because the words are the same, doesn't mean the intention of the heart is the same. The intention of the heart really matters. And that's why God does not just look at the outward appearance. Wow, nice words. Oh, the words that you speak is new covenant. He knows the intention of the heart. That's why I'm telling you guys, don't get fascinated by things that look good. Judge the tree by its fruit. Judge the tree by its fruit. Because somewhere, especially with us, right? In Lighthouse, I'm talking about Lighthouse. We have become such a revelation junkies. I'm borrowing from Pastor Ankit. Revelation junkies. We want to move from one revelation to another. What's the latest revelation? Grace. Oh, what's the, the other revelation? Kingdom. What's the other revelation? Heart series. What's the other? Next, we want to move from revelation to revelation. Instead of being established in one. And there's a danger to it. And I've said it before and I've said it again. I'm telling you, if Lighthouse is your church, and I'm warning you, church, if Lighthouse is your church, don't make YouTube your church. There's no problem in you listening to sermons from YouTube. But if you say Lighthouse is your church, then your primary food should be from what comes from Lighthouse. Let me explain to you. Practical example. If your child is always eating from McD and KFC, that's how his health is going to be. But what gives strength and health is dal chawal. You don't like it, but that's what you'll feed the child. You can only take responsibility of the health of the child as long as the child eats at home. You can't take responsibility of what he eats outside. I can only take responsibility as your shepherd as long as you eat and nourish from the food that is given here. I'm saying, if you truly believe that Lighthouse is your church, Lighthouse, the word that comes from Lighthouse should be your primary word. If you're not satisfied, please, the doors are open. Go find a church where you can submit to and where you can learn. But staying in two different boats. I'm going to this fellowship. Tuesday, I'll go to that fellowship. Wednesday, I'll go to this fellowship. You know what you're doing is you're taking your heart, which is your soil. Monday, you're putting apple seed. 
Tuesday you're putting mango seed on the same soil. Wednesday you're putting pineapple seed. And by the time everything comes, it all becomes um, an evolved version of a horse and a donkey. And you wonder why things are not working. Instead of moving from one revelation to another, we planted in a revelation. Instead of reading the entire Bible from cover to cover, we planted in one word. Those who are planted will flourish. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. So every believer needs to be planted in a local church. So for some reason, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I can trust the pastor if he'll use the money for the right reason, then don't go to that church. If you have a problem in trust, don't go to that church. If you have a problem that you're not being fed, then don't be there. Doesn't make sense, right? But find a place where you know that you are fed. Find a place where God has planted you and be faithful and submit. But if you keep jumping, now I go to this gym because this trainer is good, but that trainer functional exercise. Oh, let me go to that gym. Two days later. What happens is, your body does not develop. Your body remains the same. All the trainers are good. There's nothing wrong with a trainer. What's wrong is with our attitude. Don't make YouTube your church. Which, whichever church that you submit to, make the word of God from that church your primary word. And then whatever you listen to adds color and adds weight and value to what you have learned. See, it's like having dal chawal at home, but then you go out little just to have a little desert, just to add color. But if you just eat golgappas the whole day, you'll become like a golgappa. Please understand what I'm trying to say. I have nothing against you guys listening to anyone. Please go forward. I just, I just pray that you will have the discernment to listen to the right people. Go forward, listen. And there are amazing men of God. But if you choose to submit to a local church, let the word that comes from the local church be the primary word. Because the word that comes on a Sunday is not what the pastor just randomly thought, oh, you know, today I just feel like talking this. Let me just talk this. You have to believe that what the pastor is preaching is straight from the Holy Spirit. If you can't believe that, then you have no business staying here. And the Holy Spirit speaks the word that is needed for this hour. That's why it includes prophetic. Prophetic does not just mean, hey, you're going to prosper. Two days later, this is going to happen. That's not just prophetic. The word that is preached, the message, the scriptures that are released are also prophetic. It's to prepare you for what's about to happen. Learn. Learn to be planted. Planted in the church. Learn to be planted in the in the scriptures, learn to be planted in the direction that the Holy Spirit is taking you. See, if you are a finger, 
If you have the pinky, you know, the small finger. If you are a finger, you are meant to be positioned in the hand. You have no role to be with the kidney. You understand what I'm saying? See, we we are all the body. This is a local body, but all the local bodies are the body of Christ. So you have to understand that your destiny is attached to the body whom you are joining with. So if your finger is constantly with another dimension of God's body, you're not going to be blessed. You're not going to fulfill your purpose and destiny. So you should know, am I planted here? Is this my church? Is this the body? Is this the member of the body that I'm connected to? If yes, then submit even when you don't like it. Even when it doesn't make sense. If it doesn't, then please find a local body and submit where you where you know that you are part of. Can anybody remind me how did I come here to this point? But anyways, you guys needed it, right? Be established, guys. That's what I'm saying. Be established. Be established. See, our destinies. Our destinies are intertwined with people whom we journey with. Our fi- the little finger's destiny is intertwined with the hand. Right? It goes like that. There's an order. Our destinies are intertwined with the people whom, whom we journey with. So find the people whom you journey with. And the Holy Spirit knows what you need. And the Holy Spirit will give you accurately all the resources that you need to fulfill that destiny that's why it's not just me and god i'll be in himalayas and you know i can meditate on god's scriptures that's not what it is god somehow god's agenda is his body you can't say i love god and hate the bride you can't say i love jesus but i hate hate the bride just like you can't say i love the pastor but i hate his wife they have become one so christ and the church has become one so irrespective of how stinking the church is how many issues the church has how many heart issues the church has that is where you and me will grow you need faith to walk in times of offense you need more faith it's easy right i somebody said this you know it's it's easy to believe to raise a dead to have faith to raise a dead than than to win over your own offended heart it's easy to worship god in in your private setting and say god you are holy but it's difficult to worship god when you know the person who is sitting next to you what all they have done and to still forgive them and to still stand with them and and believe god as much as you're working in me you're working in them that takes faith are you with me okay so be established be established in god's word be established in the local body of christ where you are submitted to be established be established
look around. These are the people whom you are journeying with. If you have said yes, these are the people whom you are journeying with. For some good reason that God has, they are the ones who will take you to your destiny. So don't get offended. Devil wants you to get offended so that it will stop you from reaching your destiny. Don't get offended. We have to learn how to process that offense. It's okay to, you know, in, a, in the moment feel offended, but don't stay offended. Don't stay in that hurt for long. Learn to process that with God. You see, the psalmist, they write whatever is there in their heart. Oh, I pray God that you will dash these babies, their enemies' babies' head on the stone. That's what the psalmist writes. What is he doing? He's just expressing all his anger, all his offense, all his hurt to the Lord. He's processing it with the Lord. But then as he stays with the Lord, his tone changes. So if, if a, you have a particular posture getting into the presence of God and the posture hasn't changed, it's the same as you get out, then you didn't meet the Lord. You understand? If there is offense in your heart and you went into the presence of God, that offense will be processed as you stay in the presence of God. It has to be. It has to be. If you are hurt, as you, as you stay in the presence of God, and, and you know with God, God, God doesn't, does not get bothered by how you express that hurt. You know, like little children, they are like, because they are afraid, they beat their parents. But because the father knows what exactly is going in the heart of the child, he still embraces. And the more he embraces, the child is like. But somewhere, as he stays in that embrace, the posture of the child changes. The child begins to trust. The child begins to let go. It is only in the embrace of the father that we can be transformed. So stay, stay in the presence. Stay in the presence. Go to him. You can be, you can be the devil, all that I care, in the presence of Father. But as you stay there, he will transform you. You don't, you don't have to transform yourself. You don't have to be pressured I don't feel enough holy. Exactly. You don't feel enough holy. That's exactly, that's the reason why you need to stay in that presence who is holy. How many of you don't take a bath because you're stinking? Why do you take a bath? So that stink would go. But if you say, oh, let the stink calm down a little bit, you know, let it come down a little bit, then probably I'll take a shower then you'll probably never shower. So what I'm trying to say is we need Jesus. We can't do this on our own. We need Jesus. So what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, anything that separates us from God is a sin. Anything. Is that right? Anything that separates us from the love of God is a sin, irrespective of what the label is. 
just because that label is named as grace doesn't change the fact that it is separating you from god that's what jude says you know don't take the grace of god as license to sin because you haven't met grace his name is jesus you're just using the concept you're using the concept to separate yourself from god and do whatever you want that's not grace grace is jesus and when you meet him you're transformed come to jesus come to jesus and he will transform you amen so i just want to give you a secret of my life which i hold on to it's a mystery and because of which have i backslidden in life yes but my reflex action to get up has always been faster than it used to be earlier when i used to fall i would you know be like some of you let the stink come down a little bit then i'll go for a shower earlier i used to be like that but now even if i fall down i i can get up quickly and i go back to the embrace of the father the secret is the secret is focus on his love rather than yours focus on him rather than yourself focus on him to to stop being consumed by yourself by your ambitions by your desires even by your sinfulness by your weakness by your strengths and to focus on him focus on him okay let me show you a verse lamentation chapter 3 verse 19 from verse 19 lamentations chapter 3 from verse 19 onwards remember my affliction and my wanderings the wormwood and the gall a wormwood is a poisonous root and a gall is a poisonous fruit they are metaphorical to say you know how our affliction and our pain are poisonous the offense is poisonous and the author says remember my affliction and my wanderings the wormwood and the gall my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me every time you are reminded of your pain every time you are reminded of your offense look at the posture of your soul you feel low you feel somebody has brought a hammer down your head you lose your confidence you lose your posture right that's what the author is saying my soul continually remembers it continually remembers it continually remembers it and is bowed down within me but look at this but this i call to mind and therefore i have hope you want hope you need to do this to call to mind and to have hope what does he do the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness 
So every time you continually remember your pain, you continually remember the disappointment, the discouragement, all what the other person said and should not have said, you continually remember it, the posture of your soul is brought down. You feel low. You feel discouraged. You feel disappointed. But if you can speak in your mind, what do you speak? If you can speak this, the steadfast of the Lord never ceases. Irrespective of what I'm going through, the love of God for me has never stopped ceasing. It has never stopped. It has never ceased. The love of God for me is always overflowing. He still loves me. Irrespective of what I have done, irrespective of where I am, irrespective of what is happening to me, the love of God never ceases. And His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And then He says, He says to His soul, The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Before you start speaking, with your mouth, you have to speak here to your mind. Great is God's faithfulness. And as you start speaking in your mind, you will start speaking with your words. How do you change your posture when you're discouraged? How do you change your posture when you feel depressed? Remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the goodness of the Lord. That Lord his love never changes over your life. Irrespective of what you're feeling today. His love for you never changes. Because His love for you was never dependent on your condition. His love for you was never dependent on your condition. Exodus, I believe it's Exodus chapter 34 verse 6. The Lord is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. You know, there's a word, a Hebrew word that describes God, which is hesed. Hesed. And it, it, is so, it is so complex. It just does not mean love. It means love, loving kindness. It means grace, mercy, goodness. His hesed towards us, his loving kindness towards us is not based on our condition. Is not based on how much I have prayed. It's not based on what I could have done. But it is based on who God is. He gives you love because He is love. His hesed towards you is unconditional, is constant. In fact, this hesed is so aggressive that it's like, it's like a fire that can burn you. A, a disciplined, committed Love. Loyal love. You know, it's not a love that happens on Monday and forgets on Wednesday. It's disciplined, loyal love that he makes out of a choice. I said you. I have a commitment towards you to love you. In fact, when Paul writes in Ephesians 1 verse 4, you know, you were chosen long time ago, before the foundation of the world, God chose you so that He could love you. You were created to be loved. You were created to be adored. In spite of what your condition is, you were created, you were chosen to be adored, to be loved. God's love for you does not change irrespective of what you feel. 
irrespective of what you have done. His love is always there for you. Always. Always. That's why Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, In this is love, not that you loved God, but that He loved us. So there has to be a paradigm shift. When I, when I had a paradigm shift in my mind, it's not my love for God. It's not my service for God. It's His love. Jesus told His disciples, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Paradigm shift. Let Him serve you. Let Him love you. Let Him adore you. When you do that, you overflow in His likeness. We say lighthouse, light of the world, right? I'm, I'm light of the world. Do you know how you're light of the world? You're not light of the world because Jesus gave you his light. You are light of the world because Jesus served you. He served you with his light. He served you with his love. You have come in union with him. And because you have come in union with him, whatever he has, you have. You become exact replica of who he is. He says, I am the light of the world. And then a couple of passages later, he says, you are the light of the world because now you have come in union with me. Abide in me as I abide in you. His love for you never changes. So if you're struggling to love people, ask yourself this, do you know that you are loved? Do you know irrespective of how much you struggle in loving people, do you know that you are loved? Do you know that God's love overflows for you? His mercies are new every morning. Every day he's thinking of new creative ways to shower his mercies upon your life. Even before you wake up, do you know that you are loved? Do you know that you are loved? Because it is that knowledge that will set you free. It is that knowledge of the truth that you are loved that will set you free. I'm not able to love people. I'm getting offended by this. I'm getting offended by that. I'm getting hurt. I'm not able to just go to church and feel free. But do you know that you are loved? Because it all begins by knowing that God loves you. That God loves you. In the person of Jesus, God, He, he expressed His love towards you. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world. That he gave Jesus. He loves you. Jesus is that expression of his love. Not just the cross. Jesus himself is the expression of his love. That's why today Jesus is the expression of his love for you. Doesn't matter. Are you, are you discouraged? Doesn't matter. Are you disappointed? Doesn't matter. Are you, are you not serving God? Doesn't matter. Are you failing? Doesn't matter. Are you backsliding? Doesn't matter. But do you know? God loves you because that changes everything. That changes everything. Every time I feel, I feel discouraged, I feel burnt out in ministry, I remind myself. In fact, I know it's the Holy Spirit reminding me, God loves you. No matter how much you have messed it up, God loves you. His love is alive like a fire waiting to burn you. 
His mercies. That's why you remember David, the man after God's own heart. He he does adultery with Uriah's wife, right, Bathsheba, and he kills kills him. He does not just do adultery, but murders. And then later, this prophet Nathan comes to him and confronts him. And now David repents. Look at how he repents. Psalms 51 verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to your faithfulness. He doesn't say, have mercy upon me, O Lord, because I deserve it. All this while I've been good. I just made one mistake. Can you, just, can you not just overlook this one mistake? But he says, have mercy upon me, O Lord. Because I want you to, rem- I want to remind you that you are faithful, that you are loving, that your love for me never changes. You have to remind yourself that God's love for you never changes, and something, something happens and it changes in your life. The whole paradigm of your life changes. Every moment you focus on God's love, irrespective of what's going around. Things change. Things change. Things begin to change. Mary and Martha told you that story before. They they are writing a letter to call Jesus because Lazarus is dying. And they write, the one whom you love is not well. The one whom you love. What are they doing? They're putting the focus on God. God we know that you love us. I am messed it up, but I am not deserving of this, but I know that you love me. I know that you are good. I know that I have not made it right, but I know that you are good. I know that you are faithful. Will you have mercy upon me? Will you have mercy upon me? You know, this, the, the cosmos that the Lord has created, He has created with such precision that things just work automatically. Isn't that right? And how do things work automatically? It's because God has functioned the entire cosmos through His laws. So we have the law of gravity. We have the law of aerodynamics. We have the law of motion. There are different, different motions that govern the entire cosmos by which God does not have to get involved in everything. It's automatic. Right? So if you learn to govern these laws, you will learn how to harness, how to, um, how to make use of that law. Correct? So, we learned the law of aerodynamics a couple of hundred of years ago. Now, we can fly anywhere because we've learned the law of aerodynamics. We've learned how to defy gravity. Every law, okay, has a superior law. So law of gravity works, law of aerodynamics works, but the law of aerodynamics is more superior to the law of gravity. So if you apply the law of aerodynamics, law of gravity can be defied. If you apply the law of the spirit of life, law of sin and death can be defied. So the more superior laws that you apply, that you grow in, you can defy all of these inferior laws. There is one law 
there's one law that God has created that defies all the laws. There's one law. One law. And it only happens in the rarest of rare. It defies the supernatural laws. It defies the natural laws that God has created. Do you know what that law is? It's the principle. It's a principle. You know, like gravity is a principle. You know what that law is? It is God's mercy. God's mercy is the highest principle out there. That if you can, if you can stay there, think about it. When somebody comes to the king asking for mercy, why do they ask for mercy? Because they know that they have really messed it up. They have broken some laws and they need mercy to, to escape from the consequence of that laws. You, you have broken laws because you were ignorant. You probably broke laws because you were not ignorant and you did it purposely. But still, it is the mercies of God. The only law that is superior, the mercies of God that can deliver you from the consequence of that punishment. From the consequence of that choice. We were all meant to die. But God being rich in His mercy, because of the great love that which He loved us, Ephesians 2 verse 4, He raised us up from the dead. We are alive today. We are living the life of Jesus because it is God's mercies over our lives. Can you, can you understand that? It is God's mercies over our lives. You are seated with Jesus at the right hand of God. It is God's mercy over your life. Because we broke every law out there. We broke every principle out there. But it is God's mercy. Please understand this. This is very powerful. You, you, you understand there's a law of sowing and reaping? And, and if you can tap into it, you can prosper. You understand that? You don't have to be a Christian to do that. Anybody can do it. The law of sowing and reaping, anybody can do it. Gratitude is a principle. Anybody who is grateful can enjoy the benefits of being grateful and live a long life. If you honor thy mother and father, you shall live a long life. If you honor your mother and father, irrespective you're a Christian or not, irrespective you believe Jesus, you don't know Jesus, you will live a long life because it's a principle. Just by knowing these principles, you can... You can have benefits of these principles. That's why in the world you see people who don't know God, they are rich, they are prospering. People who don't know God, they are living a long life, fulfilled life. Why? Because they're just following principles. I'm asking you, what is the difference between you and me, the one who knows God and the one who does not know God? I'm not saying you should not learn the principles. I'm not saying you should not apply these principles because that's act of maturity and growth. But the difference is you have the mercies of God. So if you have broken any principle by ignorance, by mistake, by whatever reason, you can call on to the mercies of God and the mercies of God will deliver you. In, in your walk with God, please understand, in your walk with God, there will be a whole variable which says unknown you have no idea and that unknown is kept by the mercies of god you understand what i'm trying to say because if you if you want to learn every principle out is 
that is out there and live a fulfilled life, my goodness, you, you and me will probably be 90 years old by the time we learn everything. Or maybe more. But if you and me can learn to stay in the mercies of God that overrides all of these laws, that's what Jesus said. Hey, I don't do anything of my own. I just do what I see my father do. I hear him and I just do what exactly he says. That's wisdom. You can learn everything by your own and can do it and mess it up and experiment with your life or you can submit to the one who knows it all and let him tell you what you should do. That's why mercies of God are not for everybody. Mercies of God are not for Christians. Please understand this. Do you, have you noticed some people who walk in just favor? They just walk in favor. They're, they're lazy. They don't get up on time. They're, they're not even excellent. But somehow everything is taken care of. Do you know why? The mercies of God. I'm not asking you to be lazy. Please understand this. There's a, the mercies of God will completely distinguish you. Completely distinguish you. Because the mercies of God, nothing can override that. Nothing can override the mercies of God. And the only way to stay in God's mercy, do you know what it is? It's humility. It's brokenness. It's brokenness. Psalms 51. I think it's verse 17. Can you put it on the screen? Psalms 51 verse 17. Can you go a verse before? Psalms 51 verse 16. Listen to this. For you will not delight in sacrifice. This is David telling God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Every time you're broken in the presence of God, He will never say no. His mercies will come forth in your life. Every time you're broken. What is brokenness? What is brokenness? A state where you absolutely acknowledge, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I need you. I need you. I will lie down on the floor because I know that my legs can't support the weight on my shoulder. I need you. I need your mercies. James 4 verse 6 says, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Just imagine, if, the, if, if somebody resisting you, you'll, you still have hope because there's somebody always over that person, right? If somebody is resisting you, if for example, a policeman resists you, you know that you can go to the court. But if the court resists you, you can go to a higher court. But what do you do when God resists you? There's no hope. There's one time you don't have hope. God resists the proud. Do you understand how serious this is? God resists the proud. But His grace is for the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to anybody who's willing to say, Oh, God, I need you. I, I'm, I'm absolutely, I can't do this without you. 
you know, God tells Moses, Moses, I'm done with these people. You take my angel. He will provide for you. He'll protect you. He'll give you whatever you want. You know what Moses says? I will not go without you. State of brokenness, state of humility. Somewhere what stops us from God is the blessing of God. All this while we prayed and we were blessed and when, we, when, when, when the blessing actually came, that separated us from God. You want to walk in the mercies of God? Humility. Brokenness. That is why, that is why I'm telling you guys that submission to the church is where it all begins. You're not submitting to me. Please understand. You're submitting to the authority that God has placed over your life. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him. But every time you and me make a willful choice to submit to that authority that God has placed over your life, you don't have to figure this entire thing out. That's the beauty. Because whoever you submit to, they take the responsibility of getting it right. To live in the mercies of God. To live in the mercies of God. Constantly you are consumed by your desires. Do you know what suffering is? Suffering is when you are consumed by your desires and you don't see that happening. I was hoping for this. and You were so consumed by that desire, not willing to let go. Can you be consumed by God? Because when you're consumed by God, you will burn without getting burnt out. But your desires, if they consume you, my goodness. Hallelujah. You want to live in the mercies of God. Mercies of God. Mercies of God. You know, in fact, if you read Ephesians chapter 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, I think it is verse 7 that says, he raised you up from the dead. He made you seated with Him so that in the coming ages He will show more of His kindness. It is God's desire. It is God's desire that you stay in the goodness of God. It is God's desire that He showers you with more mercy, with more kindness. But unless you don't stop and you say, I give up, I give up the right of playing God over my life. Because every time we, we, we continue playing God, the God of our lives, the King of our lives, we're limiting His hand to work on us. But whenever you, whenever you come to His presence with humility and brokenness, you see the mercies of God coming through. Mercies of God just coming through. Focus on His love. Focus on His mercy. Focus on His goodness. Take a moment to breathe, to pause and breathe when you're consumed by your desires, when you're consumed by your ambition, when you're consumed by your disappointment, your discouragement. It is yours. Yes, I get it. But take a moment to pause. Just pause and see 
the god who is bigger than that discouragement see that god who is bigger than that disappointment who is bigger than that failure who's bigger than your desire take a moment to be consumed by him because i guarantee you that as you are consumed by him as you're consumed by him you you'll realize that most of the desires that you have is not something that you want you really want it they're not meant for you stop being so consumed take a moment to be consumed by god you are meant to be consumed by father you are meant to be consumed by the father's love you are meant to be consumed by his mercy nothing can replace that there is no passionate fire of anybody's love that can replace the love of the father be consumed by him take a moment if you're consumed if you're consumed by the things of the world john says like this in first john chapter 2 verse 15 do not love the world or of anything that is in the world because whoever loves the world the love of the father is not in them it doesn't say the love for the father the love of the father we are consumed by the things of the world we are consumed by stress we are consumed by you know issues and cares of the world because we don't know how much the father loves us only only if we had taken a moment to recognize how much the father loves you the you know this glass is so small but, but because the glass is so closer to me all that i can see is my glass is this glass if i can take a moment to put it down and see the god who is in front of me who's bigger than bigger than this glass bigger than these problems bigger than my cup of suffering i will learn how to deal with this take a moment take a moment to pause and to take a step back and to see god and focus on his steadfast love because as long as you do this you'll be so blindsided take a moment i give you this moment take a moment to pause just to pause pause your life pause your difficulties pause your problems just take a moment to pause and see how great love the father has bestowed upon you how great love do you know you are saved by the mercies of god and for those mercies to be activated in your life there is someone who who was broken for you it is a brokenness brokenness of jesus that gave you access to his mercies because we couldn't have become so humble but jesus did it for us the humility of jesus gives grace 